You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. In this episode, you'll hear money and wealth coach Gina Knox and her unique story of growing an online business as she takes us through the twists and turns of her entrepreneurial journey. From the heights of success to the moments of self-doubt, Gina's experience offers valuable insights into what is truly a dynamic world of entrepreneurship. In the heart of Silicon Valley, Gina's career was soaring. With a degree in interaction design from the California College of the Arts, she was living the dream as a design researcher at QuickBook. Surrounded by an amazing team and a promising future, everything seemed perfect. But then, one moment changed everything. One moment had Gina rethinking her career, her life, and what she envisions for herself. I immediately remember the the moment, actually. So I have a degree in interaction design from California College of the Arts. I went to art school, and I was a designer in Silicon Valley for like seven years. And um, a couple years in, I had gotten the dream job. I was a designer, a design researcher at QuickBooks. I was with the dream team. I had amazing coworkers. Like it was a fabulous work environment. And a couple of years in, I had a, a manager during a meeting talk about like my career aspirations. And she said, you know, yeah, what are your career aspirations? Cause you know, you're going to be doing this for another like 30, 40 years. And I was just like, uh, what? <laughs> 40 years. I was like, I mean, maybe you, but not me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I just remember being like, no, that, that cannot be what's it for me. As much as I love my job, as much as I love my team, like there was nothing wrong with my job necessarily. It was just that I felt like there was more for me. Yes. There was a path forward within my career. I, had like a very clear projection of like, okay, I'm going to be senior and then principal and then strategist level. And then maybe I could become a group manager and then a senior group manager and then a director. It was like very clearly laid out the path. I definitely want to get promoted because I just want to feel good about myself. But like, do I really see myself doing this when I'm 40 or even when I'm 35? No. And so it was more of that. It was more like I literally couldn't envision being in an office like that after like my 20s. Like that's when the vision stopped. (laughs) And I went through a period of about six months of like some pretty deep dissatisfaction with just my professional life in general. And I couldn't really place it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know why I was feeling dissatisfied. I had thought for a while, like maybe I'll take a sabbatical and just quit my job and take six months off. I I even went as far as to like 
within the organization that I was working in, I did a rotation where I rotated onto another team and tried a different job description for six months. Cause I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe I just need to try like a different career path within the tech world. And I wrote a letter to myself about how just like unsatisfied I was and how I, I remember writing about like, you're going to figure this out and you're going to get out of this. And I hope that when you read this, like you'll be on the other side of that. And I mailed it to myself. But yeah, I just like remember going through that time and not knowing what the heck I was going to do. I ended up hiring a career coach and I worked with her and I just like, just was talking about all the things that I wanted. And I think that is when I began talking to my friends about my similar, just like general dissatisfaction. And one of my friends, um, Isabel, she, she was like talking about what I was excited about with me. And I was telling her all about money and how excited I was to like, just, I really like talking about money. We had at that time a friend group and we would get together on like Wednesday nights, we would have wine and we would do our budgets and we would talk about like our stock grants from the company and our 401ks and all of that. And I remember talking to her and just being like, I think I just want to do like, I wish I could just do something like that. And she said, well, why don't you do like money coaching or financial coaching? And I didn't even know what the coaching industry was at that point. We were sitting on a bench um, in the Marin headlands overlooking the Pacific ocean and like on a gloomy day, the golden gate bridge was on our left. And she just said that. And I was like, well, who, how am I going to do that? Like, who am I going to work with? And she's like, I'll be your first client. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And then we just started and it, it kicked off from there. So that was, um, that was probably early, like February, March, 2019. And I just started working with Isabel. I started getting up the nerve to like tell people at networking events that I help people with their money. And it kind of spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> Gina found herself in the midst of a challenging period. Six long months of professional dissatisfaction that left her questioning her path. Can you recall a time in your life when you faced a similar crossroads? A time when your career left you feeling unfulfilled and you couldn't quite put your finger on why that was. Every aspect of the job was what you thought it would be, but you just weren't satisfied. I think many people remain in this position because they can't identify what the lack is or because the fear of exploration is greater than the fear of staying in the same place for the next 40 years. Think about it. Many Americans would go to great lengths to have a great career in Silicon Valley with a clear path and clear trajectory of their role and career. But for those who are willing to explore other possibilities, when the life they're living doesn't satisfy their future needs, it's often because they have a similar realization to Gina's. Because sometimes, a clear path to your career growth is just not enough. We used to do these things called follow me homes, which is where we would go into our customers' houses and watch them use QuickBooks to see like where they were getting tripped up and as a research, basically. And I had done a follow me home in um, 
San Anselmo, California. And after that, because our offices were like 50 miles away from the follow me home, I decided not to go back into the office. I went back into San Francisco. I went to this beautiful coffee shop in Potrero Hill, which is a neighborhood that I love. And I remember sitting there just working the rest of the day at the coffee shop. And I remember thinking like, no, this was my ideal day. Like I get to be out in the world, out in the city. I get to go talk to like customers and then work. And I was like so frustrated that like, why do I, why do I have to go to an office? Like this was my ideal day. How do I make more of those ideal days? And I didn't know how to be very clear. I had no idea how, and I didn't even know that financial coaching was going to be the thing. Um, but I just followed that that thread. So yeah, at the time I would just like go to all of these like random ass events. And sometimes I would be invited by coworkers and go with people I knew. And sometimes I would go completely alone. And so what would happen? You would just start talking about the financial coaching. I would timidly say like, I'm working on a thing. I'm working like on a project or I'm working on a, a side venture around helping women with their money. And then people would always be like, what is that? Like everyone was interested everyone would want to hear more. No one would politely shut me down. Like everyone had follow-up questions. And uh, I had people who were like, I mean, I don't need that, but like, I want to support you in some way. Who can I, like people were just very, very open at that time. And um, I just had to get up the nerve to say it. <laughs> Especially when I had like nothing. I didn't have like a, any like Instagram or followers or website or anything. Mm-hmm. It was solely word of mouth. Yeah. Wow. But then in May of 2020, I actually launched Six Figure Saver for the first time in May of 2020. So Six Figure Saver has been around a long time for online coaching standards. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was launched at the time as a, as a program. It was like an eight-week program or like a shorter group program um, for women in tech. And so it's, we've kept the name, but we've completely transitioned the product. Wow. I had no idea. I guess that makes sense since majority of your network was women in tech. Right. What made you decide to to build out the course? Because going from one-on-one to then introducing a new program, or in this case, it was an eight-week coaching program, um, very different, yeah. right? I mean, I think I jumped the gun. <laughs> I think I probably should have waited a whole other year or two before doing it <laughs> because I can't tell you how many curriculum updates Six Figure Saver has been through just because I think I launched it so much earlier than I probably should have. I think it was just honestly like trend following at the time. I was like, well, other people have courses and I should have one too. So there wasn't a lot of thought put into that at the time. (laughs) I'm glad that I've stuck with it. I really love Six Figure Saver now, but at the time it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to try everything. And so people do courses, so I'll try to do a course. (laughs) And um, I have a lot of audacity, right? So I was like, I can just do that. And I just, I don't know, I just did it. I just did it. And I recorded some things. I'm a pretty techie person because I was in tech for so long. So I figured out I was on Thinkific and I figured that out and I uploaded the whole thing and I figured out all the automations and then I just sold it. And I was surprised at actually how well it sold. I sold about eight spots and it blew my mind. I was like, whoa. And at the time it was like $4.99 or like $500 for like eight weeks. And 
and I had been charging, <laughs> I'd been charging like $200 per session for one-on-one -on -one coaching and I had no package. It was just like, it was just, it was a hot mess. My whole business was a hot mess. <laughs> well, you gotta start <laughs> but somewhere. Like, right, we gotta start somewhere. We just kind of like yeah. figured it out. And, um, and then in September, or sorry, in July when I got pregnant, August, September, October, basically of 2020, I was super sick. And at that time I still had my nine to five. And so I was like, okay, I only have a certain amount of like energy where I can look at a screen. I have to keep my job because now I have to keep my health insurance and I have to have the maternity leave and all of that. So like I totally for like three months, I felt bad about it, but I was like, I can't look at the screen any longer. So Six Figure Saver took a back seat. And, and I think after that, I kind of reinvented it. After my maternity leave, a lot of things had changed in my life. Of course, I had a baby and I was on maternity leave from my job. It was the first time I had space, 100% space away from my job. They didn't call me. They didn't email me. They didn't message me once on my maternity leave. So it was very much like there was a lot of respect for my space there, which was amazing. I really used, after probably Paloma was about six weeks old, I was starting to feel like I could do a little bit of work, and then I started hitting it hard. Sometimes in the world of business, things start out messy. Gina's journey was no exception. She describes her early days as a hot mess, but let's face it, every grand venture has a humble beginning. It's about taking that first step, embracing the chaos, and figuring things out along the way. Life threw another curveball at Gina when she became pregnant in 2020. Months of sickness forced her to temporarily step back from her business. It seemed like Six Figure Saver had to take a back seat for a while as well. But once she got her energy back, she got back on track and powered through. Now, have you ever hesitated to start something because it wasn't perfectly polished or because life threw unexpected challenges your way. Because here's where the lesson lies. Gina didn't let perfectionism hold her back. She didn't wait for the perfect moment to restart. She knew that sometimes you just have to seize the opportunity, even if it feels messy or imperfect. I don't find myself getting much into analysis paralysis. What I do is I have lots of ideas and then I will just go and try them all really, really fast. Like I remember there was a time in my business where I would be like, I'm going to launch a new program that I just made up and I'm going to launch it next week. And then I would just do that. I mean, not to say that that was like <laughs> the best thing to do, but I would just try everything. I had a couples course. I had a like Voxer group membership. I had a one-on-one -on -one coaching. I had Six Figure Saver. I had like so many different things that I just tried. <laughs> as much as I'm really good at starting things, I do have a hard time with sticking with something. And like after the initial honeymoon phase is over for a new idea, it can be hard for me to continue to execute and execute to perfection. Um, and that's like the whole messy perfectionist archetype is like, we're messy at the beginning and we have this idealized, romanticized idea of what's going to happen. And then when it doesn't quite happen, we kind of just give up. 
And I have been good at managing that. I mean, like Six Figure Saver has been around for four years. I have never given up on that. But um, but there's definitely, there were a lot of things that I just didn't finish in those early days where I started five, five different offers and then I didn't finish a lot of them. <laughs> have you ever found yourself in a familiar situation? Starting something with great enthusiasm, extremely excited, only to lose momentum when the initial excitement wears off. It's a challenge that many of us face, the struggle to stick with something long enough to see it through. You see, we often start with a messy, unrefined vision, brimming with idealized and romanticized expectations of what will unfold. But when reality doesn't align with those lofty dreams, it's easy to become disheartened and give up. Where the early days are filled with half-finished projects and a trail of unrealized ideas, now with Gina, six-figure saver has stood strong for four years. Let's dive into how that came to be. I have always had a passion for money. And I remember when I was an intern at Nokia while I was in college, my boss there had asked me, where do you see yourself? Like, where do you want to go next? And I said, I think I really want to work in fintech. And I didn't really know why. And then I sought out into it as an employer because of my experience with TurboTax and how like de-stressing that experience was. And I had always been, so I'd always had that tie to that mission, regardless of what it was. Like, I want to work on people's money as a coach, I want to work on people's money as a designer, as a researcher, as a marketer. I don't care. Like I don't particularly, I'm not particularly tied to any given craft as much as I'm tied to the mission. And that has been the case from before my business. So I think that in a way I'm like, I have always been committed to the result that Six Figure Saver has had the mission to provide, which is save $100,000. I think that there's something very important about $100,000 in savings, $100,000 in investments, like $100,000 in net worth. And it's not just a identity importance. There's also a mathematical importance and significance to hitting 100K because what I have noticed in my trajectory and my clients' trajectories is the first 100K can be kind of like pushing a boulder up a hill. And then you get to 100K and then it's like you push the boulder over the hill and it starts rolling without you Ooh. and your wealth grows without you pushing anymore. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people give up before 100K because 100K can feel very difficult. So I was always very committed to that idea. And I mean, the name Six Figure Saver, it like fits that whole mission. So I was very happy to completely revamp the curriculum. I was happy to always change the marketing. I was happy to change how I sold it. I was happy to change the webinars. I was happy to change everything else. But I think that like at the end of the day, regardless of who my ideal client was, regardless of my taglines, my messaging, any of that, I knew that this result was important and a lot of people give up before. And so I really don't want to let go of helping people hit that result because it's so important. I think too seeing my own financial journey um, and then afterwards my clients. So it took me about five years to save $100,000. And then I think it took about 
I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right, so I can fact check them if I dig into my spreadsheets from many years ago, but here's the general headline. It took me about five years to save $100,000. Then it took me like two years to hit $200,000 in net worth. Then it took me like eight months to hit $300,000. And then it took me like four months to hit four and then like three months to hit five. The time, when I say you're pushing the boulder and it starts rolling without you, I mean it. Hey there, podcast fans. If you're loving our show, we want to hear from you. Leaving a review is the best way to share your thoughts and help us make our content even better. And if you really want to share your support, share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag us at Chair Media. By sharing our show with your friends and audience, you're helping us reach more people and build our community. Let's spread the word and create something amazing together. Thanks for listening and don't forget, you can turn your passion into profit. Now back to the episode. I think that you need to know how to save, especially entrepreneurs who have variable income and we find it slightly more difficult. Like the the prevailing financial advice doesn't quite fit for us. So I think that it's very important that you know how to save first, but then we want to quickly move into investing. So for me, a lot of saving, my first 100K was just me practicing saving, but then I also started investing a lot as well. And then the investment gains is what made the time collapse between every subsequent $100,000. Mm-hmm, right. Because everything just compounds too. Yeah. Over yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Building up a savings in my business was different than building a savings from my nine to five salary. On the one hand, right? Like when I when I joined my nine to five, I was given the option to participate in two programs. One was the 401k program. And that was really easy because you just like sign up and then they just take money from your check before you even have the chance to spend it. So it's like, you don't even think about it. I wasn't thinking about saving. And by the time I left my job, I had over a hundred K in my 401k. Like just from like, forgetting about the money. <laughs> and they um, contributed to it as well as part of their employee benefits. So that was one thing. The other program I participated in was called ESPP, Employee Stock Purchase Plan. And it's a way for employees to put money from each paycheck towards a towards buying the company stock at a discount, at a 15% discount. And every quarter you would get your stock grant. So you'd be paying into it all quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, they'd be like, here's your 15 shares that you bought this quarter. And what I would do is I would immediately sell those shares and I would take the cash and that would like go either towards my personal savings or personal um, investment accounts or whatever, or fund, right? Like, and it would usually be I don't know, six to $15,000. It would vary depending on the stock price. Um, So there were, I would say, built-in ways for me to save when I was an employee. And that's cool. Great. Love it. I didn't have to take advantage and I did. But um, as an entrepreneur, it's very different. (laughs) 
right? It's super different. And I would say that for a long time, I didn't take money out of the business to pay myself because I wasn't even breaking even. I was just, I was putting more money into the business than I was even taking out. It wasn't until 2021 that I started paying myself. And if you know me, I'm big on owner's pay. I'm big on compensating yourself for the work that you do in your business because you're the business's most important entity. <laughs> so you deserve compensation. Um, and and once my owner's pay, however much you decide to pay yourself, once my owner's pay is in my personal bank account, I decide what to do with it. Sometimes I am going to save it and sometimes I'm going to spend it all. Money management as an entrepreneur is a common struggle that not many people talk about. Have you ever felt paralyzed by your goals, spending endless hours planning for the distant future, checking your financial spreadsheet and making each dollar count? Gina's approach is refreshingly different, encapsulated in her belief that success often hinges on taking the best next step. It's a mindset that encourages us to move forward without getting bogged down in elaborate long-term plans. While big goals are important, sometimes the key to progress lies in focusing on the immediate and manageable steps. And this has been the cornerstone of Gina's signature program. It's almost like, I think my core thought as I've built my entire business has always just been I just have to try the next thing or another flavor of that, which is actually one of my favorite thoughts that I tell my clients all the time is I just need to take the best next step. We can get caught up in five-year planning, 10-year planning. We can get caught up in like, I want to make $10 million. And it's like, okay, you're allowed to have that goal, but what's the best next step? Have you even made $10,000 yet? <laughs> right? Or have you made $100,000 yet or whatever it is? So like you're allowed to have your big goals, but what's the best next step right now? And I think that that has actually helped me move faster. For a while I was very caught up on how am I going to make a seven-figure business when I had made 30k in a year. <laughs> and I remember my coach being like you just got to make the next $2,000. And I was like, no, I need to figure out the whole strategy to make seven figures. And she's like, you don't even know how to make the next 2,000. So maybe if you figure out the next 2,000, you'll figure out the next 10, so on and so forth. <laughs> and so I think like letting a little bit of like letting go of the timeline of your big goal and then realizing that all you have to do is take the next best step. And sometimes you'll try to take a shortcut and sometimes then you'll fall back down. <laughs> And then sometimes you'll invent, like, I don't know, <laughs> invent something, right? Like, I think that's the other beauty of entrepreneurship is it doesn't just have to be incremental. We can invent things to jump and go faster, but also knowing, like, going with that analogy of, like, walking up the hill, like, okay, I could invent this huge trampoline that I'm going to jump on to try to get to the next level of the hill faster, and I'm knowing it's a risk. And the risk is that I fall back further than I was, but I'm willing to take that risk versus like you or, or you could stay to the steady path and going, you know, linear and like both are fine. <laughs> both are viable options. Oh my God. Do you want to know my biggest drama right now? For seven figure wealth, 
we're doing a 24 hour bonus. So the, for the people who join between September 18th and September 19th, 24 hours, they will be invited to join me in Austin, Texas for what I'm calling the wealthy weekend retreat. I'm so excited, but I've never held a retreat like this before. And my mind is immediately going like, I won't have a final headcount until September 19th, but I have to book a venue now. And I've no, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, we're looking at these different venues and we know the place we want to have it. And I brought my coach, like the option, the venue option. And I was like, I love this room. It holds 20 people. And she's like, if you think 20 people are going to come double the room size that you need. And I was like, okay, well, they only have the other, the next biggest room they have is 60 person capacity. She's like, book the 60 person capacity room. And I was like, uh, <laughs> like, are you joking? <laughs> are you like, that's, so scary. That is so scary. And you know, what's funny is I have been for a couple, for not a, not a very long time, like five days, I have been running away from the scary monster of what if I book the 60 person room and no one shows up, which by the way is not happening, but that's what my brain is saying right now. What if I book this room and nobody shows up? And today I answered that question. I was like, okay, if nobody shows up, I would just lose a little bit of money. And maybe I would feel embarrassed. Or let's say I book the 60-person room and we get 10 people. Maybe I would ask the hotel to put us in a smaller room. Or if the hotel didn't have the smaller room, I would book like an Airbnb and just lose a little bit of money. And I realized I was spending five days spinning out about how scared I was to like sign a contract with a venue. And what I wasn't doing was I wasn't spending those five days thinking about what the best case scenario was. I was so busy thinking about the worst case scenario that I forgot to imagine the best case scenario. And I, I was journaling it today. I was like, well, the best case scenario is that we fill up that room and dozens of female entrepreneurs lay the groundwork for multiple millions of dollars of generational wealth. And we create a network of high achieving entrepreneurs who are in it together, building wealth together. And I started like sitting there and dreaming about that day. And I was like, I'm still a little nervous about signing this contract. <laughs> right. But it's like remembering I have the power to, I can focus on the worst case scenario, or I can focus on the best, or I could focus on the worst case scenario, create a contingency plan and then park it and then move on. So here's the thing about entrepreneurship. It's a bit like navigating a maze. You're chasing your business goals, and there are multiple paths to get there. Picture it as if you're climbing a hill. You've got options. You can stick to the well-trodden path step by step, a slow but consistent journey. The thing is, there's no one-size-fits-all formula for success in this entrepreneurial world. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure story. You can stick to the known path, or like many entrepreneurs, you can pivot and learn new skills. It's not about running away from something, but running towards new opportunities. So in 2022, I was selling one-on-one -on -one coaching and six-figure saver. And, and in August of that year, I introduced my mastermind. And I was selling everything except for the mastermind, which was like cohort-based. I was selling one-on-one -on -one coaching and six-figure saver on Evergreen, meaning you could join whenever. The doors were always open. We didn't do launches. 
we just had marketing and people would join. And I, I think I was afraid of launching maybe from like some past coaches that I felt were intense or they made launching sound really scary or like very analytics and like Facebook ads. And I was like, okay, I'm not ready for that again. Um, and so I think I had avoided launching for a very long time and November rolled around November, 2022. And I asked myself, what does my business need for me to hit my goal next year? And my goal next year, i.e. this year was 500 K. And I knew like, I need to learn how to launch. Even if I decide to go back to evergreen, I cannot stay on evergreen out of fear of launching. I sh- and I, I really felt like this is actually kind of one of my maybe mottos. Are, are you running away from something or are you running towards something? By staying on evergreen, I was running away from having to launch. So I needed to feel like if I had both skills and I was equally competent in both skills, which one would I choose? I wanted to run that experiment. And I felt like up until that point, I hadn't been doing that. So I decided to work with a coach on launching and in December, 2022, I closed Six Figure Saver with the preparation to launch it again in February, 2023. So I basically changed everything from open cart all year round to open cart select weeks out of the year. So what does life look like now for you? I imagine if this is your dream ideal life that you thought of, you know, when you were in that coffee shop. Okay. My life looks very different. (laughs) I have a team of like eight people now. I have a big team and, um, and I meet with them a lot and I, I delegate a lot now. (laughs) No more long gone are the days of, I come up with an offer and I launch it the next day. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now we're like, we started planning our, our cart opens for seven figure wealth applications open on September 18th we're going to start promoting it on August 21st, four weeks out. I started working on the launch two weeks ago. So this is mid-July. I started working on a launch for mid-September, two months ahead of time. I am a totally different person. <laughs> and it's because like the, there's too many moving parts. There's too many people. I have to be working ahead of time because I have to give my my OBM, my emails to schedule while I'm on vacation for the next three weeks because I leave on Friday and I'm going to be gone for three weeks. And the last week of my vacation is when we announce and we start our launch. So I have to have all my d- stuff done for them to have everything done <laughs> ahead of time. So that's definitely what life looks like now. Um, I also have a lot, I have a co-coach for Six Figure Saver, which has been amazing. And I have so much more time to sit and think about my clients, which is invaluable. I have time to sit, like yesterday in my journal, I went client by client in my mastermind and I wrote down what each client needs to work on next. And then I looked at, and I'm like, are there any themes I can extract here? Is there anything missing in the curriculum? Is there anything that a certain client is struggling with that I need to follow up with them on or that I need to create a challenge around? I'm creating, I'm in the mode of like, I'm still coaching my clients, 
but I have so much support around me now to run the rest of the business that I get to use my brain to create assets that don't just help one individual client, but that helps dozens of clients. So one client may have a problem and I could just solve it and coach them, or I could solve it, coach them, create a concept, upload it, and then have that be an asset for everybody else. And that's what I'm getting to spend a lot of my time doing now, which is just so fun. I've been coming up, I've been in a really creative mood in the last month. I've come up with so many good ideas that I'm really excited about. And um, and I'm like running a whole ass business with a whole ass team. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> if you had to do it all over again, what would you change? Or is there anything that you would change? I think I wouldn't do anything differently except <laughs> one thing. I would do one thing differently. I loved how much spaghetti I threw against the wall and continue to. It's. I want to be clear, like that spaghetti against the wall thing doesn't go away. It's still messy. Even if I have the OBM and the team, it's still messy. <laughs> things still break. So I wouldn't get rid of that. I wouldn't get rid of my, my okayness with that mess. I would have waited to do six figure saver because I, I would have spent way more time doing one-on-one -on -one coaching at the beginning. I think I would have been in my million dollar year this year if I had waited a, one more year to launch six figure saver. And that's because I think when you work really closely with one-on-one -on -one clients and um, really just get to know them. And, and I did this in 2022 when I had that like 10 client roster, you have so much face time with your clients that you come up with so many good concepts that end up fueling your programs and your curriculums. And I think for a long time, I was a little bit like, I have six figure saver, but it's kind of like, it, it's kind of lost. Or like, I didn't feel very anchored to the curriculum specifically. So I probably would have waited, but you know, hindsight's 2020. <laughs> well, folks, we've reached the end of this awesome episode. It's been quite the journey exploring the ins and outs of entrepreneurship with Gina. In this episode, a passionate entrepreneur who's been there, done that, and still keeps pushing forward. Gina's journey has been a roller coaster of twists and turns. She's been up the hill and down the trampoline, always seeking new opportunities, and she's shown us that the entrepreneurial journey is anything but predictable. Entrepreneurship, it's like trying to find your way through a twisty maze. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. But imagine it as a climb up a hill. You've got choices. You can take the well-trodden path, slow and steady, or you can go for the wild ride, inventing your own metaphorical trampoline. The thing is, we've learned that there's no definitive roadmap for success in the entrepreneurial world. It's more like a choose-your-own-adventure story. Maybe it's not about running from things, but running headlong into fresh opportunities. So, as we wrap up this episode, of From Passion to Profit, we hope Gina's journey and insights have left you inspired and ready to tackle your own entrepreneurial challenges. After all, success isn't just about the destination. It's about the journey and the adventures along the way.
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We could not have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Brandon for scripting and quality checking, to Andrew for audio design and post-production support, to Addy for graphics and marketing, and of course, a huge thanks to our guest for sharing their passion and their story on today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview, as well as links to support them and their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. I'm Chelsea, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.